from the studios of Postscript Media and Canary Media. Every minute, 12 central air conditioning units are swapped out or installed at homes across America. That's 18,000 per week, 6 million per year. Maybe you've noticed some new compressors outside your neighbor's house this summer. You felt a little jealous in the sweltering heat. Well, guess what? Your neighbor and those millions of other people, they're relying on an outdated technology. What most people get is the same as what they got in, say, 1955, experience-wise. That's because there's another option that can both cool and heat your home and do it cheaper and quieter. It's a technology you may be hearing a lot more about these days, heat pumps. Because a heat pump and an air conditioner are fundamentally the same piece of equipment. Think of two identical cars, one that has a reverse gear and one that doesn't. So it's just one of those total no-brainers to at least install heat pumps instead of air conditioners, even if they're on top of furnaces. And this is a really pragmatic way to move towards electrification, and it's, it's nearly automatic. This heat pump aficionado is Nate Adams. He's known as the house whisperer. So learned years ago how to take screwed up houses and make them right. And I'm currently working on a program called HVAC 2.0 to teach HVAC contractors across the country how to do the same, which just happens to involve decarbonization most of the time. Last year, Nate met a guy named Alexander Gard Murray, who shares a similar passion for heat pumps, although not on the contractor scale, on the macroeconomic scale. I work on the political economy of decarbonization. That basically means figuring out how to get us off of fossil fuels in a way that's both economically feasible and politically feasible. And the two of them connected around a very specific challenge in America. We install a lot of central air conditioners when we could be installing a lot of heat pumps that do the job better. So what are a political economist and a house whisperer doing together? Well, it all started with a thread that I put up January of last year talking about how we have this really unusual lever in North America because we have this strange type of HVAC that is unique to us called unitary equipment. It's the forced air furnace is unique to North America. And so uh, the difference between an air conditioner and a heat pump is a couple hundred bucks worth of parts and at wholesale uh, levels, it's 300 to 600 bucks per unit. And I've known this for a while and just tried to figure out how can we leverage that because it's a really cheap lever compared to most of the stuff that we're doing. And I wrote a thread about how to do that. And then Alexander reached out and said, hey, I'd love to help make this a a policy proposal. Yeah, when I saw those numbers, when I saw that thread, it was initially surprising. But then as I read it, looked into it, uh, I quickly became convinced. Convinced of what exactly? Convinced that we have a real opportunity to both save money and advance decarbonization at the same time. Convinced that if we delay, that every day we delay, we are wasting an opportunity uh, that technology has brought us. This is The Carbon Copy. I'm Stephen Lacey. This week, electrification is the backbone of a zero-carbon grid, and heat pumps are the backbone of electrification. One little tweak of production of air conditioners could make them accessible to millions more Americans. Could a new federal bill influenced by Nate and Alexander's work catalyze the switch to heat pumps? Clear. 
Clean energy and climate tech are policy-driven industries, and anyone working in this field touches local, state, and federal policy in a very real way. And that's why you should be listening to Political Climate, a podcast from Latitude Media and Boundary Stone Partners that delivers an insider's view on climate policy and politics. Every other week, co-hosts Julia Piper, Emily Dominich, and Brandon Hurlbuck cover the nuances of government funding, regulations, backroom negotiations, and the election, of course. Political Climate is a show for people who want authentic conversations and strong opinions from voices across the political spectrum. Listen at latitudemedia.com or subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts. President Joe Biden has used the Defense Production Act, this law that gives him executive authority to marshal industrial resources for national security reasons, to support COVID vaccines, baby formula, and in early June, solar panels and heat pumps. So why heat pumps? Heat pumps are the hot new thing in climate tech right now for a couple reasons. The fastest way we can slash emissions out of the economy is to electrify as much as possible. Our cars, water heaters, space heating. And the fastest way to electrify is to deploy heat pumps, which efficiently heat and cool spaces without lighting oil or gas on fire inside our homes. They've been around for a long time, but advancements in motors, compressors, refrigerants, and insulation have radically improved their performance. In the U.S., 40% of new single-family homes use heat pumps for primary heating and cooling or as a supplement to fossil fuels. That's not bad, but they still only make up 7% of total residential heating demand. If we want to electrify most or all of our homes, we need to start replacing existing HVAC systems. And a good place to start? Installing heat pumps instead of conventional central air conditioners. And as Nate pointed out in his Twitter thread last year, making a two-way heat pump instead of an AC unit is only a few hundred dollars on the production side. And that could save consumers huge amounts of money. What if the government incentivized manufacturers to make the switch? Nate and Alexander connected through that Twitter thread. They had the same question. So they ran the numbers by CLASP, an organization focused on appliance efficiency. And so we all got started talking about how we could take this Twitter thread and put it in a form that would actually convince people. And, and just check, check the numbers. You know, the, the calculations that Nate had run were kind of these back-of-the-envelope calculations that were really promising, but we wanted to make sure uh, with some rigorous analysis that would actually that the math would actually math, but we had the between us we had the the capabilities to do that. And, and what was the math? What what are what were you eventually getting to? So what we needed to do to make sure this would work was to run a computer model, basically looking at each little area of the U.S., looking at every census tract in the U.S., and saying, all right, if we swapped out new central AC for heat pumps, how would that affect people's bills? How often would they actually use the heat pumps as opposed to the fossil fuel backup? Uh, how much energy would that take? How would that affect the grid? And then looking at what the bigger economic impacts of that would be. You know, How much money is that going to save? How much money is that going to cost the federal government? Uh, and just making sure that all those numbers lined up. And once we did that, we were really happy to see that the benefits we're going to be five, eight times the cost of doing this. So what is the cost and what are the benefits exactly? So the cost, it's going to depend on how many manufacturers take up the program. But you're talking several billion dollars um, up front in tax credits for manufacturers. 
Over the next decade, we project that a conversion incentive like the one we wrote about would save consumers $27 billion. And so for the average family getting one of these units, that's going to work out to around $160, $170 each year. If I had a dollar for every common sense economic analysis showing how we can decarbonize the country in a a very cost-effective way, I would be a very rich podcast host. So we have a really clear economic analysis showing the benefits of transitioning to heat pumps and having manufacturers produce more of them rather than one-way air conditioners. But Nate, what's holding this up? Economic analysis meets reality. Suddenly, we have a lot of friction in the system. What's that friction? It's really very simple. It's almost all air conditioners and furnaces are replaced on an emergency basis. They go out when it's hot or it's cold. So it's about 85% is the number for that. So the the problem is, if you are going to get an unexpected large expense, are you going to try and maximize that expense or minimize it? And obviously, we're going to try to minimize. And so a heat pump is only marginally more expensive than an air conditioner, with, you know, 300 to 600 bucks for the same model, if you're looking at the same piece of equipment. But that three or 600 bucks is, is an easy thing to cut if you don't understand why. So that's one piece. The other piece is what's on the shelves. And on the shelves across the country is primarily one-way air conditioners. So if it's an emergency and you go to the store and you've got your choice of four different air conditioners, or you could get a heat pump, but it's a one or two week wait, what are you going to do when the equipment's broken today? So fundamentally, the goal of this is to take uh, air conditioners largely off the shelves and just have it be a heat pump. Alexander, talk about this problem on a macro scale. What does this mean, this collective series of decisions when people are under duress? What does that mean for what we're locking in in terms of technology and homes? Yeah, so every time, 16,000, 18,000 times a day, people are buying central ACs, installing them in their houses. And the reason that's a problem for the country is that these units are going to last 10, 15, 20 years before they get replaced. So 16,000, 18,000 times a day, we're locking in outdated infrastructure. We're, We're preventing, we're locking out the chance to electrify that home's heating for another two decades. Exactly. So really important piece of math here. If we would like to finish home decarbonization by 2050, we need to be around 2030 installing 100% heat pumps. Preferably it's heat pumps on their own, but that's not realistic for colder parts of the country and just consumer behavior. Um, But at least if every system that, uh, like every air conditioner that gets replaced is a heat pump, if we can get to that point by 2030, we have a prayer by 2050 of actually decarbonizing homes. The math checked out, but how do you turn a Twitter thread and economic analysis into real policy? Well, some staffers on Capitol Hill were paying attention. Coming up, a new bill is introduced in the U.S. Senate that could bring this idea to life. In May, Senator Amy Klobuchar introduced a piece of legislation to promote heat pumps. The premise? Give manufacturers a tax credit to encourage them to make two-way heat pumps rather than one-way air conditioners. Sound familiar? This is part of a bigger push in Washington for heat pumps. 
Senator Ed Markey also introduced a bill that would create a rebate program for electric space heating and electric water heating. And the president himself says he'll use the Defense Production Act to ramp up heat pump production. Nate and Alexander found themselves right at the center of this newfound policy interest in the technology. So you guys get together after this tweet thread goes out. You start talking, you work with some other experts on an economic analysis, and then it turns into an economic analysis and a policy proposal. And that policy proposal eventually turns into a bill that was introduced in the Senate called the Heater Act in May. Alexander, what is the Heater Act? So the Heater Act is a new bill proposed by Senator Amy Klobuchar and co-sponsored by a bunch of other senators that really tries to ramp up the production of heat pumps, especially efficient heat pumps, in the United States. It's got a range of subsidies for different kinds of heat pumps for homes and for business, but one of the key provisions is a conversion incentive similar to the one that that Nate and I analyzed. So Nate, what is the exact mechanism that would encourage manufacturers to convert production to hybrid units? So it's pretty simple. They're being offered a certain dollar amount, and it depends on the level of efficiency, and Alexander can speak to that more directly. But the fundamental cost difference between an air conditioner and a heat pump is, let's say, somewhere between $100 and $200 worth of parts. So we're just trying to incentivize them to move all of their manufacturing to be just heat pumps rather than air conditioners. So Alexander, you want to dive into the details? Sure. So the bill contains a whole range of tax credits for highly efficient heat pumps for both homes and businesses. And on the residential side, the basic credit for a manufacturer is $400 for an Energy Star heat pump. And over the lifetime of the bill, a company can claim up to $400 million for credits like that. But if a manufacturer stops making residential central AC and focuses on residential heat pumps instead, a few things happen. First, they get more money. The credit goes up to $600. Second, they can apply the credit to twice as many units. So for every Energy Star unit they make, they can claim it for an equal number of non-Energy Star units. And third, they can get more money overall. The cap goes up by $300 million. So those incentives taken together, we think, provide a strong incentive for manufacturers to accelerate a transition that they know they're going to have to do anyway. So I think there's a good chance that manufacturers will look favorably. Yeah, we we both view this as an extremely pragmatic way to look at this problem. And it is funny, when when we were finishing it, we both had the opposite viewpoint. I'm like, oh, this this feels maybe a little bit too liberal to me. And Alexander's like, well, it feels a little too conservative to me. Like, all right, well, I I think we found something where we, we have a grand compromise. So an important point on this is, Uh, heat pumps, when paired with a furnace or other form of backup heat, that's actually increasing consumer choice because now you have two different fuels to work with. So you have the heat pump to work with and you have whatever your form of backup heat is, be that a propane furnace, an oil furnace, gas furnace, resistance, wood, whatever. Um, So that's an important point politically is that this is actually increasing consumer choice, not decreasing. Nate, you've been one of the early leading voices in the Electrify Everything movement. And I'm wondering how, now that the contractor community, the environmental community, lawmakers have latched onto this and are taking it really seriously, how has this filtered its way through practitioners? Like on the ground, 
does this movement, and I would call it a movement now, does it is it having an actual impact in the way contractors are talking to people or hearing from consumers about new kinds of demands and questions about heat pumps and other electrification technologies? Not nearly as much as you would hope because you have to picture the, the mindset of a typical contractor. They have likely tried a number of things in the past and gotten burned by it. So they tend to be steady eddies where we're, we're what is it? I've, I've done this way, done it this way for 30 years. Um, and we got to keep doing it this way, even if that happens to be wrong, particularly if you take new technology into account. So yeah, it, it hasn't been that much of a change. So there's pockets, but I, I can't overstress how hard this is going to be to change contractor minds. About 80% of contractors are either moderate or lean conservative. If you bring up the phrase climate change, what happens with that crew? Um, so, I mean, there was an article uh, on Huffington Post last week that was about this proposal, and it got shared within one of the HVAC contractor groups, and they flamed it. Four-letter words left and right, those dumb greenies, they don't know what they're doing, they're in the pocket of big, uh, I don't know, big renewable, whatever <laughs> 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 um, like it is. The, the pushback is... Fast and fierce and strong. Um, and so changing HVAC contractor minds is going to be so difficult that I would much prefer just to change what they can buy in the first place. Alexander, why are we talking about heat pumps in a much bigger way these days? There's this movement to electrify homes and businesses as quickly as possible. Why is that so important for decarbonization and where do heat pumps fit into the mix? So I think for a long time, a lot of the focus on decarbonization was on the energy supply. And that makes sense because, you know, the energy supply is something you don't need to go into individuals' homes to change. You can change where the power comes from. But equally important is how we use energy. Where else can we push? Uh, and buildings are a huge component of energy use. So I think that's why we're seeing a lot more attention on heat pumps, because that consciousness is rising that we can't get there just by changing where we get our energy. And if we do change the whole electricity grid, but people are still sitting on fossil fuel heating in their homes, then the benefits of that clean electricity are going to be limited. We need heat pumps to make sure that individual families get the full benefits of the clean energy transition. If the bill doesn't pass this year, we'll fight for it again next year. But That'll mean 6 million more families are locked out for another 20 years. Nate Adams, Alexander Gard-Murray, thanks, guys. Thank you so much for having us on. Thanks for having us. Nate Adams is the co-founder and CEO of HVAC 2.0, and Alexander Gard-Murray is a political economist at Brown University's Climate Solutions Lab. The Carbon Copy is a co-production of Postscript Media and Canary Media. You can find all our episodes at Canary Media. Make sure to sign up for their newsletter. Hit us up on Twitter or give us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. Thanks for doing that. It's really helpful for us to get more visibility on the platforms. Our Postscript producers for this show are Jamie Kaiser and Alexandria Herr. Ann Bailey is our senior editor. Sean Marquand mixed the show. Postscript Media is supported by Prelude Ventures. Prelude is a venture capital firm that partners with entrepreneurs to address climate change across a range of sectors. That includes advanced energy, 
food and agriculture, transportation and logistics, advanced materials and manufacturing, and advanced computing. Thanks, Prelude. Thanks to all of you for being here. We will catch you next week. I'm Stephen Lacey, and this is The Carbon Copy. Carbon Copy.